On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. On the show today, we have Kasim Hasif, and I'm going to read to you his bio. And I just want you to kind of take your time, let these words kind of fall on your ears. He is a British citizen of of Pakistani Muslim heritage who grew up being exposed to radical anti-Western, anti-Semitic, and anti-Israel ideas on a daily basis. During his teenage years, Kasim embraced a radical Islamic ideology and became very active in the anti-Israel movement. Thankfully, Alan Dershowitz's book, The Case for Israel, challenged Kasim's fundamental beliefs and caused him to undertake a period of research and reflection that led him to Israel in 2007. Witnessing the true nature of the Jewish state changed Kasim's perception of Israel. He felt a moral obligation to publicly speak out for Israel and the dangers of radical Islam. He has spoken all over the world, including the 2013 Global Forum on Combating Anti-Semitism. Kasim has appeared on radio and TV and print media. And let me pause at this moment to just welcome you to the show, Kasim. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, on the show, typically we deal with topics that are so relatable to mainly Christian women who are just juggling a gazillion balls in life. And they've got, they're caring for their parents, they're caring for their children, their own families, maybe they're working, they're kind of frazzled in general, and just keeping up with, with the, you know, everything that we have to do. And we also are women who fight against that interior dialogue and maybe it could be the darts of the enemy or what the world tells us about who we are our identity and we kind of push back a little bit we take charge of our emotions and our feelings instead instead of letting them kind of lead us but occasionally on the show i think as my christian and my civic duty i do invite guests who have such a you know not just the practicality of life that they're dealing with, but also something that's a little bit deeper, something that's maybe a little bit more serious in nature, something that has global ramifications. It's not just the existence, the day-to-day grind that we're trying to get through, taking those thoughts captive, being transformed through the renewing of our minds, but it's also something much deeper than that. And so your particular topic, what we're gonna chat about today is is so important. And sometimes I'll tell you this, uh, Hasim, I shy away because sometimes I feel like I don't know enough politically. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what all of this means. I can't solve the Israeli issues. I don't know about, you know, geographically who owns what land or, you know, okay, there's the Gaza Strip and okay, I remember all these wars and then there's the oil issue. And it's so much that sometimes I just feel like I can't keep up with it. So 
thank you for coming on because we're going to, with your help, we're going to tackle some of these issues. And we certainly want to know your story. And, and we want to know all about the documentary that's soon to be released, as I understand it, and even why you went there. So but, but I just wanted to give you a backdrop of who we are here and what a significant role you have this, you know, as we're sharing this, this role to maybe unpack a few of these things and help us better understand these things. I, I want to talk about the feature length documentary called Never Again. And I'm reading again from some of the promotional um, assets that I have. And this particular documentary unpacks the horror of anti-Semitism and the power of survival and redemption. Viewers will journey with a Holocaust survivor, that is Irving Roth, into the depths of darkness and surface in the light. Viewers will also travel deep down the dark and twisted path once taken by a former, former radicalized Muslim, that's you, Kasim Hafiz, and join him as he describes his conversion, now defending Israel on the world stage. Never again will shed the spotlight on the modern day hatred and bring you, the viewer, a newfound awareness of the power we have to say, we will not rest or be silent never again. So what made you want to make this movie? So it was uh, kind of a process. So I, Irving, who sadly passed away last year, you know, as many Holocaust survivors was in his 80s, 90s. So we knew that it was very important that we immortalized his story because the lessons from the Holocaust, sadly, as that generation passed away, it, Unfortunately, things fade from memory. Like, sadly, that's just the way it is. I mean, who talks about 9-11 anymore? It wasn't that long ago, you know? It's, it's distant history for some people. So we wanted to immortalize Irving's story and his message. And as that progression was being walked through, the, there was an opportunity where Irving's story and his message of hatred and bigotry, the Holocaust, didn't just happen. There was a... There were things that preceded the actual killing. There was the, the uh, dehumanization, there was the hate speech, all these things. And we're seeing bits of that today. And me and Irving are very close and became very good friends prior to, you know, over the last few years before the movie was even uh, discussed or even came up. And there was an opportunity where my story of growing up in England and essentially having that same level of hatred, which started from words I heard and stereotypes and how how two paths converged. And, you know, when the idea was put forward to me and I was asked if I'd be interested, I said, no, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> um, I, for a number of reasons. One, I thought that the focus should be on Irving uh, and his story. I didn't want to take away from that. But also my worry was on a personal level, like, am I doing this for the right reasons? So I did, you know, I prayed about it. And then, you know, the voice of, rationality entered my life also known as my wife uh and we kind of walked through it and we we came to the conclusion that actually this is something important and mm. the reasons and the motivations are the right thing to do mm, that is that is so interesting and i you know it's part of all of this how, how do you unpack something so serious is it just a manner of sharing your own personal testimony and because that has so much power and certainly you've done that all over the world 
and you've shared how you grew out of this, you know, hating the Jews and how you radically shifted, made that shift. But it's something that you just speak of kind of easily, but what were the difficult touch points there? What it almost sounds like now, okay, that was just kind of what happened in my life. There was that shift, but was it as easy as that? Or how did you, I'm talking about you personally. I mean, coming into the movie, I'm so glad your wife intervened, but now if we just unpack a little bit more of your story, what, you know, what was that like for you? So it's, it's always difficult or challenging when you look to the past because I feel we we leave a lot of things out. We just do, yeah. Especially when they're difficult. I think our brain is like, let's just pretend that, you know, it's smooth over it. So for me, you know, telling my story over the years, it became I don't want to say routine per se, but it was just routine. I would tell my story and you have an approach of it is what it is, you know, because to go from something you believe in, and this is something that I'm like now I have a lot of grace with people who have extreme views, not because, you know, I think there's any merit to it, but if that's all you've grown up with, that becomes your truth, regardless of how mm. absurd or vile that belief may be. But if that's all you've been surrounded with, for you, that is just a truth. It's not a, it's not a, an idea or thought or bigotry it's just your truth so that was something that I had to switch from and that process was very difficult and then to feel rejected or or shunned I guess from my own family and community which I'd grown up with and growing up in the Pakistani community in the UK it's a very tight-knit community it's very close everybody knows everybody and then you find almost overnight, you're no longer part of that community. You are outside. Uh, and there, there were a lot of challenges for me on an intellectual or personal level and all these things. And I kind of just went with it, uh, with this attitude of, you know, I don't, don't want to say survival because it makes it sound much more dramatic than it actually is, but you're just trying to get through it. You're not kind of processing it in that way. And if, as one of the unintended consequences of the, the film, which I'm grateful for, it forced me, and I, I didn't expect this to happen because when I've, I've retold my story so many times, you feel like you are processing it, but revisiting and going back to, to England and made me really dig deep and actually confront issues I've never really confronted with in terms of who I was and how I view who I was and how that impacts who I am today. How, well, can you explain that just a little bit more? What what were what was your identity or what did you learn from that? Why was it so sure. profound? Yeah. So I think firstly, you know, going into it from a new because you know becoming I became a Christian a number of years ago, and again that happened and that is my life and I I'm learning and all these things but I've never looked back at who I was and tried to understand who I was. There was almost a shame in who I was because of the hatred and the poison and things I would say. And it really, I was, I got to a point, thankfully, where I was able to forgive who I was, which I never had. I never even thought about it in that context. Mm. And 
me not doing that has been impacting who I am today. Gotcha. And so, so that was incredibly important. And for me, I was almost, you know, trying to, there was an element of me, my speaking out and activism, an element, not the main core of it, which was this trying to make amends for who I was. And when you start doing that, it's, you're going to constantly be chasing your tail almost. Mm -hmm. And there was this realization that, okay, that's who you were. And that is, is also an acceptance of that is part of who I was. And that's okay. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we have to, as human beings, we're not who we were last year or the year before. Our situations and circumstances right. shape us. And confronting that was so important and being at peace with it. Because, mm. you know, no, because the, the end... That was for me, but I think that's for everybody. We all do. You know, we will beat ourselves up about a relationship we had 20 years ago when we were young and, and stupid, you know? And right. it's like, it, it, that, because of that, as awful as it may have been, it got it to where you are now, you know? Mm. It, and it's important. It, it doesn't detract from who you are now. It's part of it. And it is uncomfortable. And it is, we try and lock it away and pretend it's almost a separate person but it is still part of us and that's okay and that was a process that I just hadn't gone through I just not intentionally I just you know in my mind just got on with it and didn't really look back but those same that past was still haunting me in a way because I wasn't confronting it mm, and do you feel now that you're quote at peace with your past yeah, very much so. I, I and it's again, it's something that I didn't anticipate. I didn't think it was an issue until mm -hmm. we started the whole process. And I am, and I, I think it's it's allowed me to grow in a lot of ways, especially from a, a faith context too, mm -hmm. because you know how it's very difficult to forgive others when you're not able to forgive yourself right you know it's uh, and and that was something that I learned along the, the journey of this well can you share a little bit about your relationship with your family now it's uh it's not good I guess that would okay. be we're not really in touch um it's unfortunate but it's you know, there, there, there's been some minor changes. There's been some contact over the last few years, which is much better than previously when there was absolutely none and it was out and out hostile. But again, I, I guess uh, as part of this, you know, I am trying to have grace and patience with them because they're also a product of their circumstances and the environment and what they grew up with. And I can't expect others to go from where I was to where I am now it's it's a progression and I've just got to be patient and walk alongside it and you know hope the Lord opens doors which no man can open right amen on that yes and I'd say many of us can relate to struggling with family issues they may not be faith-based necessarily or worldview-based but it can get sticky for so many of us for so many different reasons. So, okay. Can I, do you mind if I ask you a little bit about just like the Muslim faith, like how would you defend your faith, your Christian faith 
with a Muslim, just, just in general. I, I love apologetics. I love the whole aspect of defending my faith. And of course, the Bible tells us that we need to have a word. We need to be ready in season. We, we should kind of rise to that occasion. And some of my listeners have asked before, well, Victoria, I'm really afraid to share my faith. I don't even know where to begin. And over the years, I've had some um, Muslim friends or come into contact with like refugee ministries and different things. I live in Kentucky and, and we have a Kentucky refugee ministries. And my, my youngest son and I, we taught English. We did a little bit of ESL work with some of the refugees from Iran and Iraq. And so that was, there was a little moment there to share our faith as, as it presented itself, really. That wasn't our intent. Our intent was to teach English, but still there were a few opportunities. And I wonder if you could even, I'm always curious about how to, what is the, what is the best way to defend our Christian faith? And in particular with Muslims, what what do we do and say? Right. Uh, so, I guess the best way to answer this for me would be I look at. So there are similarities with with the Abrahamic faith. There are similarities. Yes. And people always go to the similarities, and and that's fine. But I think the difference is is actually what is really important. And and as I may sound controversial, like highlighting the differences, but for me as a Christian, the thing that jumps out and was also a struggle for me in, in, a, in a positive way coming from Islam is the teachings of Jesus, the focus on love, the focus on caring for the others, where, you know, I know that my creator actually cares and loves me. He is willing to will sacrifice everything for me. And the idea of this personal relationship, as opposed to the idea of a God who is like very angry and looking to punish you at any opportunity. That was incredibly powerful. Like in Islam, you know, there are Quranic verses which say, you know, you can't call Allah your father. He's not your father. Like, mm. like these kind of things are complete. So I think that is incredibly powerful. The idea of the mercy, grace, and just, Look, God wants a relationship with you. Like he loves and care about cares about you. He's not looking for every opportunity to punish you. Mm. To, to go from a very structured legal, uh, you know, what you do is what will define whether you go to heaven or not belief system to one where it's a relationship. Conveying that I think is incredibly powerful. Mm. And and that that's yeah, I wonder yeah. too if I've always heard that the Quran speaks of Jesus as a good prophet. Is that correct? Yes. So a conversation I had with a Muslim friend not long ago. Uh, well, actually, I can't remember years and blended into <laughs> in the last right. few years. But we were talking, and they were very kind of dismissive. I went, okay, let's 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 take this, let's peel this completely back, okay. Let's just take Muslim sources. Let's just take the Quran and let's take the Hadith, which are the, the recorded sayings of, of Muhammad, which are essentially the two important texts in Islam. I went, you're about to have a child. 
if you look at the personalities of how Jesus and Muhammad are portrayed in both, in just Muslim scriptures, if you had a daughter, which one of those two men would you want your daughter to marry? Mm. And the conversation stopped there. But yeah, so Jesus is seen as the most important prophet um, other than Muhammad, who in Islam is seen as the final and most important prophet. But the Quran speaks very highly of Jesus. And, you know, 90% of those, the, the teachings in the Quran are essentially taken from the Gospels. It's stories from the Gospels with certain changes here and there. But the Quran speaks very highly of Jesus. And again, I, it, it's... It's something that needs to be highlighted. I think one of the, not to go on too much of a tangent, but before I became a Christian, some of the ways that people tried to share the gospel with me just had me shaking my head in absolute confusion. I was like, oh my God, if this, this is this is horrible. Like, well, I don't know, I, I get what you're trying to do, but this is offensive. You're not going to, win anybody over by offending them instantly <laughs> right what were those ways because i want to make sure i don't do them so people would come and this happened more times than i can remember which is troubling on, on multiple levels people would come and straight away attack muhammad's personality or his actions or you know allah which regardless of what you believe somebody who's a muslim not practicing but still like these are sacred figures for me. If you think you're going to open any doors by attacking them right off the bat, it's, mm. I mean, it's in anything, not even like if you start by attacking somebody or, you know, you, you don't like the way someone's wearing. If I go to my wife, wow, that looks absolutely dreadful. <laughs> not gonna, it's not going to go well. No. <laughs> yeah. So so that's one thing. I don't know that I've ever actually done that, although I may have tried to peel apart maybe the veracity of, say, the Quran. One thing I learned as I was learning to defend my faith and some of the teachings that I learned, by the way, I was a huge fan of Ravi Zacharias. I am so sorry how his life ultimately ended and just that whole uh, issue there just literally broke my heart and because I even had taught from his curriculum and he was you know he still spoke the word of God and at least we know that is true and but one thing I remember from my studies was that if the if one part of something is not true, then logically it can't be true. And so the argument was using the fact that the Quran said that Jesus was a good prophet against itself. Because if you look at what Jesus said about himself and study him, then he would either be a lunatic or a liar, but anything right. but a good prophet. And so it kind of was a built-in undercut jab in that way. And I always, I've always remembered that. And that's actually, it doesn't matter who you are or what your, your faith background may be. You got to kind of got to reckon with Jesus. And if he's who he says he is, then we better be bowing our knee. If, if otherwise he is a lunatic and a liar, but we can't call him just some good person. That's not, right. that's, that doesn't right. work. Yeah. Right. No, a hundred percent. I think it's so important to 
you know, it, as as common, and, and that's one of the important things. It's not always possible, but building relationships mm-hmm. is so key uh, because I think I and I understand even from a personal perspective. You know, when I became a, a Christian, there is this zeal to want to share with others, right. but you can't turn into a salesman. <laughs> you you've got that's to right. remember that relationship because that's so important. But as relationships develop. I mean, just looking at the impact Jesus had make like on a logical sense, it makes no sense here. Like it didn't expand through conquest. It didn't expand through, you know, invasions. And yes, empires later on adopted Christianity, but the gospel spread in the midst of brutal persecution. All of the disciples died horribly. Yet it reached like it, it does like how is that even possible and before cell phones and internet and all these things right. it just it it defies all the logical parameters of of the age mm. and, and that's incredibly powerful and it, within that also just side note i'm studying for a bachelor's in biblical theology at the moment oh you are so, oh, yeah so so um and that's the other thing to remember every single one of the disciples the, the the people who spent time with Jesus all died horribly, yes. not recanting their faith. Right. The, the good, you know, and they gained nothing from it. It's none of them became an emperor or a leader or or anything. None of them, uh, and they could have easily gone. Oh, actually, I was there. We may have fudged some of the details. Yeah, it would have been easy, but they didn't. They sacrificed everything, literally. Why? Why, why, why would you? That's right. Yeah, the people who spent every moment, like it's, so, you know, I just think that's incredibly powerful and and people forget that. Yes, it is. And I I think it was maybe Chuck Colson, was Chuck Colson with the Watergate? Do you remember that? Was he the in prison for, do I have that right? But his- I think I'm not 100%. Yeah, I think it was Chuck Colson. And he said that, you know, the whole Watergate conspiracy, the whole cover up. He's like, look at all these people loyal to this cause. And we couldn't keep quiet. We, we, we leaked it. We couldn't stay unified in this so-called conspiracy. And he was using that as an apologetic defense for the faith, kind of what you're saying about the disciples. Not one of them recanted. And right. human beings now just couldn't even go three weeks without letting it out, letting the truth right. out. And that supports what you're saying about none of these men, they all went to some horrific deaths being crucified upside down. And just the the most, you know, I would, if who would die for something that was a lie or not true, who, how, what, I don't get that either. So yes, I think that is indeed a a powerful defense of, of the belief that we have. And um, I and congratulations on your studies. That sounds so fun. I often thought if I go back to school, that's along the lines of what I would actually love to study. I noticed on your Facebook page that you have my one of my favorite Bible verses, and it's Micah six eight. It's and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Why is that on there? Why did you choose that? I'm just curious. Uh, I just think it's an incredible one, one very powerful. And I think it's just a great daily reminder. 
it's 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 one of those things which I think encapsulates what should be at the forefront of our mind when we interact with others and and all the and what we do and how we make choices because and this is for me at least um, am I it's a question I ask myself every day am I living my faith or am I just wearing it as a label mm, that's good and that's you know and that's important because it is and you know I you know I get very frustrated when I see for example Christian athletes who are you know I want to thank Jesus for everything and then you see their behavior and it's like this is just a label at this point this mm. is and look we're all struggling we're all trying to get better but for me if my faith is not changing fundamentally who I am every single day then I've got to work harder it's it's you know so mm. where did you meet your wife I'm just curious so we met through work. Uh, she worked for a, a pro-Israel organization. I um, spoke at one of their conferences and we became Facebook friends. And then that was it. We didn't talk at all. There was no spark or anything. And then we randomly started talking. I messaged her um, and we started talking and hit it off. And, and funny story with that. So when I first became a Christian, because it wasn't certain if I'd be going back to England or staying in Canada, there was a lot of kind of uncertainty at the time. It was not really talked about because the dangers if I went back to the UK were very real. So we're talking and me and her are like really hitting it off just by text message. And she's like, look, I'm just gonna be very straight up with you. I can't date someone who's not a Christian. I was like, well, funny story. <laughs> so. But yeah, so, so that's how we met and then uh dated for a while and then got married oh that's awesome and you're living now in canada or are you in the u.s in the u.s she, you are okay we, yeah she's from florida originally and refused to live somewhere where it snows for eight months of the year so. <laughs> that's right okay all right well i want to go back to the movie and this is where i i read some astounding statistics and we always hear about history and the revision of history. And yeah. I'm a home educator. I home educated my children for 19 years and I have four children. They're all grown and married now. Yeah. And, but, you know, one of the reasons that we decided to home educate was because we, we didn't want the public school indoctrination and the misinformation and not calling Christmas break, Christmas break, calling it, you know, holiday, just all of yeah. that stuff that we wanted to kind of get away from. And, but, but I worry so much for, for children now, and I, I can't almost get my mind around this. And I wonder if I'm just naive, if I don't pay attention enough, if I, like I said, kind of at the beginning, it's so much easier just to turn away from that and not even talk about it. Because right. in a way we women were, I'm just trying to get dinner on the table so we can get to soccer practice, okay? Right. And it's like, hey, how can I do, how can I take up this cause? And what I'm trying to pitch on this show, as a matter of fact, the episode that dropped today, I actually talked about the Rob Elementary School shooting, which is a rather serious topic. Obviously so. Our, our, our nation is grieving. We're mourning. We're upset. But by golly, life is going on for so many people. And I'm, I'm 
privileged to have a little teeny platform. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, Victoria, push pause on this. So I kind of switched and did a different episode to drop today because I wanted to address that. I didn't want to just ignore it this time. And then it was so funny that your interview would be today because I thought, oh my, that's another kind of more serious topic. And it's so much easier just to look away than it is to really think about these things. And these are the statistics that surprised me. Um, it says the Anti-Defamation League has reported that anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. reached an all-time high in 2021 with 2,717 incidents, which was an increase of 34% from 2020. What? And then this, in 2020, a Pew Research study showed that 45% of Americans did not know that 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust. And then it, it goes on to say, now as we see scenes from Ukraine of the refugee crisis and mass destruction not seen since World War II, we need to be reminded that even in our modern day, incredible violence remains a threat. What do we do with all of this news? How do we handle such atrocities? How do we how do we deal with this? That's like a million dollar question. Do you have an answer by chance? Um, I think it's it's challenging because it, it can go to extremes. People get so absorbed by the constant bombardment of news and information. And look, sadly, and here's the thing, you know, if if you sat and watched the news all day, you would be afraid to leave your house. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you like, if you go outside, there are good things happening. There are people doing great things in the community. There are people feeding the homeless, and, and all these things are happening. But I think that on an individual basis, we have to try and focus on what we are able to influence positively, like genuinely. And, and this is a like I say this on personal experience because it's so easy to to get absorbed by every big news story and become emotionally involved and there's a point where actually this is harmful to you like you Mm -hmm. have no control over this so i think there is like genuinely with the the horror the tragedy that happened in texas there are there's very little i can personally do right now like that is just a reality whether i like it or not there isn't um I have prayer, which I'm very grateful for. And that's, of course, you know, always the first step forward. But it's what can I do to make the world a little bit better? Like, what can I personally do? What can I talk to the people in my circle? And, you know, even if it's just being kind to the stranger, you know, those Mm -hmm. things make an impact. We, We, I feel that the way society is structured at the moment with the information overload it's almost to make us feel overwhelmed Mm. and you know I again it's something I had to take a step back from and it's like okay I'm looking everywhere for my answer but I'm not looking at what like what does God say about this it's like you don't have the spirit of fear you've not been given a spirit to feel like don't be overwhelmed like i'm here and it's again it's like no judgment because sometimes i need reminding daily but hold on pause a second because you're letting 
all these external noises dictate your internal dialogue. Mm. So, yeah, that so, is yeah. very powerful and meaningful to my listeners because it is that internal dialogue that we have that so often directs our moods, our emotions, our mindsets, and then ultimately our behavior. We talk a lot about that. Right. And the that the mass of, of negativity that is kind of thrown at us, it is deafening. And right. well, science even supports that folks who do watch the news so much, it, it causes depression and anxiety. It, it, it's no wonder that it does because they're distressing topics and, right. and it pulls us in a direction that, like you said, some things we can't control. About the shooting, I offered to the listeners just a few action items, definitely prayer, like you said. And then as well, we can donate blood. We can always donate, you know, they were, they needed blood there. Not that it'll go to there, but within our own community, that's a philanthropic thing that some of us can actually do. And then of course we could provide financial funds toward some sort of victim relief, family, you know, uh, family victim relief. Some, those are some tangible items that we can actually do, but, but then you kind of have to, I, I really like what you said about bringing it home on a personal basis and the reminder that you've given us that, you know, what I do in my circle, what I say, how I'm treating strangers, how I'm conducting my life. Am I really living and walking out my faith in, in ways that are, that are meaningful? They may, those ways may not impact the world, but it it may impact one person's life. And that's still very valuable. You, on the other hand, Kasim, are, you have a big platform and you are, your voice is being heard. And I, I don't doubt that that's been so bumpy and you've had some loss or some sadness even mixed into all of that. But the bravery that you have demonstrated and and standing up for, you know, representing, standing up for something bigger than you is so commendable. And, and I really say hats off for this, this wonderful um, message that you are proclaiming to so many people. And I'm so grateful that you, you did this movie and I can't wait to see it. I don't think it's out until is it, um, where did I write that down? I don't think it's, it's next month, right? June? Yeah, June 7th. Oh, so it's just uh, yeah. here shortly. Yeah June, yeah, June 7th. And I did wonder about your relationship with, um, let me get his, with Alan, was that his name? I think. How did you, was that, what was your, um, the Holocaust survivor's name? Uh, Irving. Irving, not Alan. Yes, yeah. Irving Roth. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that relationship, how that developed? Yeah, so it developed initially. We met uh, when I was invited to take part in a speaking tour that Christians Natural for Israel were doing uh, very early on after I'd left England. Um, I met Irving for the first time and we just hit it all. Like, Irving was funny. Like, he was very funny. Like, he was just a lot of fun to be around, a lot of energy and it's it's I and it sounds very cliche but I've never met anyone like Irving and mm. like he is 
I sincerely missed, but we just hit it off. Like I also like, uh, I enjoy a good joke. Irving was just funny. And, you know, when you're with somebody, everyone who was on that trip, when you're with a group of people for a week solid going from campus to campus, like a bond forms. Mm. Uh, and we just, we just formed a bond and it kind of just held as the years on and our paths continued to cross through work and and everything. Such a powerful example also of love over hate. And I was watching some of the, the movie trailers and one of them starts with just the t- mentioning the power of words. And that really grabbed my heart because again, you know, we're, you and I have talked about that identity, that inner dialogue and the power of words and the indoctrination that, that we have. And, and I like how you've also mentioned that as you've matured and grown in personally, you, you're not casting stones, you're not judging, you're just allowing the grace, you kind of understand where these folks are they're just this is their environment this is what they've learned what they've known so there's such an element of grace there and and mercy that you've even demonstrated and it's it's just so powerful and the the impact of our words on well even the bible says that there's the power of life and death in our words and to see that vetted out is um is is really impressive and and I see that two things that were so difficult um, now you all became friends and and in personally friends but yet also I can't you know I don't know I've only seen snippets of the actual documentary but I'm sure that I don't even know how they actually did it whether they go from you to him you to him you to him or whether it's all him all you or is there something like that brings you together in the end or i really yeah, so don't know how that's done so we cover Irving's story and then we cover mine and then there's kind of the crossover that happens gotcha in between, yeah yeah sounds like it would be so powerful and so i can't wait to to dip into that and see that and also, where can people reach you? How can we get a hold of you, Kasim? Okay, so the best place is probably the organization's website, cufi.org. Um, there's a way to contact me through there. I'm absolutely awful with social media. I, I know that I do have a Twitter, which I never use. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but I am on Twitter. It's um, I, Kasim underscore Hafiz. But like I said, I very seldom use it. But if anyone wants to send me a message, you know, feel free to. Um, but Definitely yeah. Facebook, though. Yeah. I mean, you have. Yeah. Facebook. You seem to be very active in the on that page in Facebook as I was looking at it. Yeah. So it's Facebook also. Um, and there's neveragainthemovie.com for any yes. extra information about the movie if anyone's interested. Yes, and I will put all of the links that we have in the show notes for sure so that folks can just kind of read more and they'll see all of those active links so they can just bump over there and, and show you support and um, certainly watch the, the video. I, how's that coming out? How's the movie coming out? So in, on August 7th, it will be available for streaming on Amazon Prime and... Okay 
a few other platforms and then i believe on the 22nd of june uh it will be released on dvd also on dvd yeah be sure and get that so okay and is there anything that you would like to share with my listeners as we close about choosing to think choosing to think about these sorts of ideological worldview uh kind of serious political national kinds of issues how should we choose to think i think the, the best thing i can say I, i've been thinking about this for a lot of so i've seen kind of the debates happening let's not forget that people taking part in these debates whether we agree or not are all human like let's not lose the humanity because i feel like there are so many uh, sources that are, we're almost being stripped of our humanity in so many ways mm-hmm. and let's not forget that you know and let's try and view and it's difficult trust me i say it's just experience it's difficult let's try and view people the way god views them as much as we can like that's so important uh, and a person's political opinion or their opinion on a certain issue doesn't change how god views them and let's not forget that and let's not lose the let's not strip people their humanity and in the process let's not lose our own humanity amen it's a wrap brain changer and until next time dios primero y que dios te bendiga ciao